What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with N7, the legend, as usual. And we have a uh, a, a slightly different episode. It's kind of similar. It's kind of different. I'm excited about this one, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's been, you know, a very long, busy week at work for me, which is why we had to put this episode off uh, a day. Um, so thank you, everyone, for, you know, the, the flexibility and, and patience yeah. while we try and bring you the lore. Uh, Our live audience will notice, but the audio audience won't because we we buffer a few days before this goes out live. So but we're doing it on the weekend. It's the weekend. Happy it is weekend. the weekend. I hope. Uh, how was your St. Patty's Day? My St. Patty's Day is all right. We had a little community thing and everybody just dressed in green and somebody played bagpipes, which I don't think is Irish. <laughs> Scottish. Right. So but bagpipes were there. Oh, I don't not. know. Uh, speaking of St. Patty's Day, we're talking about cybernetics this yes. week. And everyone knows St. Patrick was a well-known cyborg. He was a cyborg. Um, that's how he was able to chase all the snakes out of Ireland. They were afraid yes. of his robotic laser beams. He was also... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to make it a Pellinal White Strike comment right, like right. about him being gay and from the future. Nobody nobody other than anybody <laughs> no. who listens to the Elder Scrolls podcast or is just like super deep into Elder Scrolls lore is going to get any of that. So if you are wondering if a reason to get into Elder Scrolls lore, you probably think, oh, Elder Scrolls is all about like Viking looking dudes with helmets and dragons, right? Like because Skyrim. No, there's there's totally a whole section of lore that's about a gay cybernetic warrior from the future who goes back in time and murders a bunch of elves 
blessed by the gods. Blessed by the gods. Right. So that is a thing. And it, yeah, if you're interested, go check out my other podcast because we've got a crazy episode about it. Uh, but that's not what this is about. This is about cybernetics and bioengineering. We're, we're going cyberpunk in Mass Effect. Yeah. I mean, we've been covering medical topics for the past few months, but now we're entering this other section of the lore. Yeah. There was so much more to talk about than I anticipated when it came to diseases and medicine and the characters who practice it. And I looked back at the episodes, you know how long we've been talking about it? it, it it's been like three months. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I wouldn't have guessed that there would be this much medical stuff. And technically, this is like tangentially related like you would have to have some sort of medical operation in order to install cybernetics. It's still kind of connected. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you would get cybernetic implants for medical reasons. So, yeah, it's we're still there. Yeah, we're mixing medicine with technology in this episode, talking about cybernetics, gen genetic engineering. And like you said, it, it sounds kind of cyberpunky. Um, and Mass Effect has kind of some some overlaps and some of the same types of lore. But, you know, I want to issue a disclaimer first that there's a lot we don't know because much of what we know about these topics is um, in terms of the codex, in terms of reliable narration, which the codex is still filtered through the lens of Alliance human uh, general issued handbook. Um, there's still it's there's just not a lot of text lore about it right you know it's it's, it's it's mentioned in conversations here and there and through different uh non-verbal cues and in, in cinematics um but it's it doesn't seem to really be the focal point of a lot until we get to mass effect 2 it, it's mentioned here and there like like flavor text like i said yeah well if i but know I'm, anything about about you you've done your research and i've i've tried you've you've dug up what what if there's anything out there you've probably dug it up I, I've tried. I've done my best. Um, I will say that I, unless you go on a ridiculous scavenger hunt of the games and the comics and you parse through hundreds and hundreds of pages of the novels, uh, panels of the comics and go through hundreds of hours of gameplay scouring for every journal entry, every conversation, even if it's like a five second or three second piece, mm -hmm. then and you're looking for just these topics and you're staying like that would require immense effort to do that. You're, but unless you're going to do that, you're going to have a rough time finding much about cybernetics and mass effect because it's not its own focal point for the universe, really. Right. But we'll, we'll right. get into the nuance of that. Um, it's not as apparently prevalent in the mass effect universe as in cyberpunk or other sci-fi universes. Um, but when I did start focusing on in on them and when I did try and find what I could, I was surprised just how many instances I could find or I did find that seemed to linger under the radar. So it is there mm -hmm. if you look mm -hmm. and hopefully this episode is going to serve as like a substitute and an aid for anyone in the next playthrough or on their current playthrough that they can kind of just keep the, the keyword in mind when they're playing through and go like, oh, there's that conversation or, oh, they're bringing this up too. Oh, the lore cast missed this little part. And and by the way, we will miss parts. Oh, sure. We want to sure. hear about it. Absolutely. Like good scientists, if you can prove our theory wrong or needing an update, we would be excited to learn more. So please kindly update us if we do miss something. So 
that being said, let's get into where we see cybernetics in Mass Effect. Yeah, let's look under foremost. the hood. Let's let's yes. let's give it get a good look under the hood, shall we? Yeah, and and that's a good uh, segue <laughs> because Shepard does have more rebuilt parts than a '67 Chevy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Shepard died. That's no surprise. Uh, Wait, what? And <laughs> Shepard died Spoilers. and was brought back to life. <laughs> and to do so, they needed to, you know, interweave a lot of technology and synthetic components uh, mm-hmm. into Shepard's being. And we even hear this from the Catalyst at the very end of Mass Effect 3, who's giving us this ultimatum of choices and in which the Catalyst says, even you are par- partly synthetic. Can you imagine living yeah. without synthetics being part of you? Well, it, he wouldn't have. They wouldn't have been able to bring him back. It it wouldn't have been possible. It's- no. And, and Shepard, like, I mean, she even admits it in the very final stages uh, of Mass Effect 3 and kind of like doesn't really admit their faults a lot. You know what I mean? This isn't something that Shepard does a lot, but Shepard seems to acknowledge this at the end of Mass Effect 3 that, yeah, that's pretty true. Like, I am <laughs> I am mostly robot at this point. <laughs> right, right. Um, so uh, let's back up a second, you know, from the end of Mass Effect 3. Let's go into the Mass Effect 2 after the Lazarus Project. So I'm talking about after Shepard has already been revived besides those cybernetics, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a separate episode in and of itself. There are upgrades that the player can make in Mass Effect 2. Right. Which are cybernetic in nature. Yeah. Uh, there's three main ones that I want to focus on as prototypes. They're labeled as prototypes. Number one, there's heavy skin weave. Uh, This is how the game describes it in the little description before you buy the upgrade. Strong synthetic fibers woven through the skin, dramatically reducing damage taken from most attacks. These fibers also act as a metagel conduit, improving healing. Handy. It's a little highway system that protects you and also delivers the metagel. I'm imagining like a spider web weave, you know, throughout the skin that kind of like structurally keeps tears from spreading if you have like a, you know a cut or something oh my god it's almost like like it's just underneath the skin it's it's not quite as crazy as like adamantium skeleton right but it's yeah. it's like a just kind of a a mesh that goes underneath your a dermal layer like if you were can cut you, open your arm you'd hit it can you imagine installing that oh my god no no <laughs> like you, the body probably had to be dead when they installed it but it's an upgrade so you're not dead when you get the upgrade <laughs> right right yeah and you don't have the gameplay benefit beforehand so <laughs> right like did they lock this feature behind a paywall for shepherd <laughs> i don't <laughs> is know this, is this like your feature does exist in the car that you've owned but you have to subscribe to our bo- bonus <laughs> plan per month to unlock right, heated seats right. or is it like braces where Clearly, when you get the braces in your teeth, don't automatically just go to the right place. Like maybe it's laid mm-hmm. on the skin and then over time it sinks into the skin as the layers of cells like grow that and die. Ugh, ugh, it's just constantly itchy. <laughs> You're just yeah. like, ugh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it takes like hours even to get a small tattoo on your body. I cannot imagine <laughs> yeah. how long this would take for a Cerberus to like. Oh, God. Or Chalk was to oversee surgery to install. He doesn't have that time. Um, it's probably so. all in a machine. You probably just float in a machine like a like one of those Star Wars vats mm-hmm. and then a robot just kind of like different robot arms just etch on different parts of your body all at the same time. 
Yeah. Or I wonder if they like inject nanobots who install it in real time. Oh, from the inside, from the blood. That way it starts underneath your skin. That would make sense. Yeah. Nanobot technology could do it. Or the nanobots just replicate and link and then create the weave. And this is and again, this is speculation because we don't know exactly how this is installed Uh as well as the other prototypes because it doesn't really tell us. Uh, and there's another one you mentioned an adamantium skeleton. Well, there basically is that. Yeah. So it's it gets called, even crazier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's something called skeletal lattice by reinforcing the skeleton with a synthet- synthetic weave. There's that word again, synthetic mm-hmm. weave mm-hmm. bones can be made almost unbreakable in the event of bone trauma. Metagel conduits allow for bone regenerations in a matter of days. If I lose too much hair, I might invest in a synthetic weave. <laughs> where would that be taken from synthetic not organic huh yeah yeah it's like it's not like a real like real hair weave it's a synthetic weave. anyway um yeah i would imagine that you'd have to make this with like nanobots that just bond to your skeleton yeah 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 otherwise it's like hey shepherd can we like you know um let's just sketch off like a week of your schedule next week because you got to go in to replace your your uh humerus and then like oh my god yeah we're gonna cut you completely open to get at your bones and then sew you back up like there's a reason why this concept only worked for wolverine in the comics is because of his healing factor he like you could actually inject this inside his body and then he would heal f- fast enough to make it possible right mm. but like a regular human being there's no way unless it was like at a molecular level like a nanobot level just built piece by piece by piece over over a period of time and your body can slowly adjust and adapt to it maybe if they could like reprogram the uh chemical things in your in your endocrine system that like would release calcium into bone development and then instead of calcium it's like fucking titanium (laughs) i don't even know how that would work maybe Um, but what's so crazy about calcium is that it's actually really really hard like yeah like titanium like if you've watched any of those like forging shows where they make swords and weapons and things the only reason that steel is as hard as, as it is is because of the combinations of other chemicals that are in it like carbon and the, the carbon and the calcium in your in your bones is what makes them so hard or like mm. the antlers of a, you know, a ram or something like that are actually really freaking hard. Like you, you take a steel sword and hit those antlers and they don't break very easily. The sword is more likely to break than the antlers. <laughs> it's kind of crazy yeah, yeah. how strong calcium is. So if they can find something that is worth being an upgrade to calcium, mm-hmm. uh, that's incredible that they have this technology uh, they being Cerberus, I think, would be the people who are, you know, implementing this. Uh, so there's a third one as well that applies to muscles, and it's called microfiber weave. Another weave. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and we have different weaves for different occasions. <laughs> there's, so this one, I don't quite understand why it calls it a weave, because the description is perforating the muscles with microfibers increases overall strength and decreases the potential for muscle damage from exertion. Maybe because those fibers weave together in like a netting. Yeah, they're just like the muscle. I, I feel like someone discovered that if you put a very thin, strong fiber into a certain pattern, it becomes like stretchable but unbreakable. And then they're like, <laughs> "We should put this in Shepherd." This is perfect. This is perfect for our super soldier commander of the forces that are going to stop all the yeah. evil in the galaxy 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And speaking of, of healing, you had mentioned it earlier, Dr. Chakwas does tell Shepard that the cybernetics that Shepard has will heal better within Shepard's body if they keep an overall positive attitude, which it, again, mm. it's, it relates to being a paragon. Um, yeah. And if you don't, then your body may start to reject implants, which is why if you're a renegade, you start to see those red like demonic looking cyborg terminator scars on your on your face right it's because you don't believe that the cy- the implants are adapting as well it's all it all uh, comes down to psychology sure um yeah. and and shepherd can look pretty ugly if those if you go full renegade and then the the scars and whatnot on your face and james can comment on shepherd's implants if you are very renegade, basically assuring Shep not to worry about their appearance because people are used to cybernetics these days. That's an interesting <laughs> uh-huh. thing to say, right? Because maybe James is just trying to be kind and say, don't worry about it. You look great. Yeah. Or maybe he's being straight up and honest. Like, dude, you know, cybernetics are so common now. Don't even worry about it. Like, no it, one cares. It might be a little bit of both. Like, that both might be true, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and but uh, cre- creepy looking shepherd, you know, laser beam eyes and whatever. Uh, like, uh, I don't know that those are the ones that people are particularly used to seeing. More like, mm, no. oh, that person has a metal arm. Yes, like they must have been an accident, or right? Something not like scars um, on their face and laser eyes. So, so yeah, and and regardless of how common cybernetics actually are, which we're going to try and dissect in the next few points, Shepard is still not typical. So keep that in mind because Mm -hmm. they are the golden child with a corporation with a very deep pocket behind them who's not afraid of skirting any regulation or law in the name of human advancement. So, yeah, Cerberus Um, and their leader has crazy cyber eyes. Yes, which uh, predates any interaction that he had with the Reapers. And we'll get into that. But Shepard's not the only protagonist with cybernetic, uh, you know, things in their body that they have to get used to the pathfinder has an ai chip in their brain Mm -hmm. sam uh and this does cause the pathfinder some uh i guess you could call them side effects things that the pathfinder has to uh overcome as as they get used to having sam in their brain um so there is the implant there and then of course if you want to learn more about sam you should play andromeda but basically sam works in real time with pathfinder uh processing sensory input from Ryder's body man i don't know how i would deal with that because i've got too many voices in my head already anyway speaking of um speaking of cyberpunk uh in cyberpunk there's <laughs> this is a weird segue there's a thing uh, called cyberpsychosis. And the concept is the more you replace of your body with synthetic parts, the less humanity remains. And this eventually affects the mind, the psyche, and people will actually break down uh, after too many implants. And it's different for every individual. There's it's not like just a kind of a flat thing, but it is a thing. And is this is that a thing in Mass Effect at all? Like I said, the Pathfinder definitely has some side effects, which is to be expected because no one has that kind of AI implant besides the Pathfinder and Pathfinder's dad uh, beforehand. Um, Leave me and, and my other- son alone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and it's not like a Johnny Silverhand situation. Uh, Sam is not antagonistic like that. Um, 
and it's not like it's going to kill the Pathfinder at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but other characters do suffer from medical symptoms from some rejected implants, which we know. Uh, but like psychosis seems to be exceedingly rare. Okay. Uh, and with a little caveat there, if it's not from Reaper tech. Right. Yeah. So I guess that. Yeah. But it's still not the same. The Reaper tech is doing a thing. It's not just because you happen to have a certain amount of your body replaced you you all of a sudden the psychosis starts to really take over it's with the reapers it's it's engineered <laughs> that right way. yeah it's being controlled <laughs> right like, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a different kind of thing yeah yeah so and then who is a better representation of the um effect of implanting reaper tech over time than Saren in mass effect one uh, Saren tells us midway through Mass Effect 1 that he accepted an offer from Sovereign to become more powerful with implants from the Reapers. Uh, his, now, this is an important point in terms of art direction, because when you if you're playing Mass Effect 1 with no mods, just as it's meant to be played, then you're going to meet Saren and he's already going to look like a cyborg. Yeah, but that's not how the art team imagined Saren looking at first. Okay. He was supposed to look like an old feeble Sith Lord, uh, purely huh. organic huh. with some piercing yellow eyes. Uh, and there's this mod called the Saren, Saren appearance mod. I, I think I'm messing up the name, but he was supposed to look like this wearing dark robes. And then he would gradually become more and more cyborg like throughout the game. Interesting. Um, actually, now that I say that, I think it's called the Saren Stages mod. Look it up if you're playing with mods. Um, but it, it reflects visually the verbal cues that he says in the game when he says, I've been upgraded. And he right. makes these comments. Um, so it makes a lot more sense narratively. And it also shows us the effect of, of Saren becoming more and more uh, indoctrinated and crazy and like losing touch with reality. Um, through the exposure of this reaper tech within Saren's body. Right. Okay. Is, are there any other good examples? Yeah. The elusive man. Um, you mentioned his eyes beforehand. Mm -hmm. His eyes are actually not from the reapers as far as we know. Uh, and I could be wrong about that, but I haven't found anything that links his eyes to being reaper tech. I think they were just eye implants that enhance his eyes. Um, and they are the first thing we notice and Joker, Arya, and Jacob actually all comment on it, uh, his appearance and, you know, looking like like that. And Jacob says, is there anything human in them? Meaning his eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, that's commenting on his like, you know, morality, but it's right. also, you know, mentioning his appearance. Well, the, uh, and the then, eyes are the windows to the soul. So there we go. Yeah, that I do love that quote. Um, but that can also be deceiving, by the way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in Mass Effect 3, we see surveillance footage of the elusive man being implanted with Reaper tech. He says, like he says, you know, risks be damned. Let's do it. And then he really jumps off the deep end even more than he already did. Uh, I mean, he was already a terrorist <laughs> before mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. um, but then he jumps off the deep end because he gets fully indoctrinated and leads this last you know, uh, last ditch effort to try and doom humanity, basically by stopping Shepard from ending it all. He says it's to try and control the Reapers, but like they even say he could never control us. We controlled him because of the Reaper tech within him. Yeah. Yeah. He's the puppet. 
Yeah. So, yeah, so this is a long winded way of saying cyber psychosis is really just inspired in the Mass Effect universe. The only equivalent is indoctrination. So it's like you can just blame the Reapers for that. Um, but there are medical symptoms and side effects that people do seem to have from implants. Uh, right. Any, any in kind in of chat, they're talking about the L2 implants, which we mentioned previously and how those can cause problems. Um, but psychosis is not quite the same thing as that. No, no. I imagine that like sleepless nights and constant headaches would drive someone to the brink of being crazy. Right. Um, but, it, but it's a secondary thing. It's not a primary right. thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also Kai Ling, who has had a lot of cybernetic implants. He was, you know, basically uh, the elusive man's key agent and then golden child after Shepard defected yeah. from Cerberus. Yeah. Well, well when, um, when he shows up in the games, he's doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Like he's yes. clearly moving and, and acting in a way that's beyond just regular capabilities of, of a person. Yes, he, he's been highly, highly enhanced, as have other Cerberus soldiers. But it seems to be the, the difference here is that these other Cerberus troops that we meet in Mass Effect 3, especially in the Mars mission, when you take off the helmet, they appear to be implanted with Reaper implants because they look husk like. Mm -hmm. So. Technology, yes but corrupted technology so a little different um beyond cerberus there's also gray boxes you know we talked about that in terms of them being invented as an aid for people with um with alzheimer's mm -hmm. and the gray boxes we see with keiji and kasumi goto um they are technology that often require brain implants so you could call them a cybernetic uh, because they help people store and encrypt memories like that. Um, yeah. If you're interested in learning more about that, I, I forget which episode that is. I think we might, it's that might have been it's, diseases. Yeah. Is when we talked about that. Yeah. Um, there's a very base level one, which I don't think people would think of when they think of cybernetics, but we see it everywhere in Mass Effect. And it occurred to me late when I was researching this. How many times do we see people use an Omni tool? And they're not wearing armor so you can't say that it's just a computer from their armor right yeah it, like the thing shows up around their their physical fleshy arm like mm -hmm. like it's right there yeah and like yeah they could have like you know a, the equivalent of a cell phone or a computer chip in their pocket i guess um but yeah. i think it's probably more the likely considering that <laughs> right. considering that the entire like galaxy's economy works off of credits and that is a digital currency and that all of the extranet surfing going on you can access it from your omni tool it's probably not that far of a stretch to say that people are getting implants for omni tools that are not even soldiers that are not even like you know in the military or law enforcement um, credit chits are mentioned in the game and i recognize that but when i hear credit shit i think of like a credit card and that seems so archaic for this universe i know it's a thing I know that it's a physical thing that people can drop. Right. Um, right. But again, how often are we seeing people pay for things and do other things with their Omni tools? Right. Well, there might be some cases where you need something to be able to be physically handed over. And so it's kind of just a backup currency. Yeah. Or or mm. or methodology of moving currency or, or something, you know. Yeah, maybe it's more secure that way. I'm not sure. Maybe like more secure as in like how floppy disks are more secure than like, you know, just yeah. accessing the Internet. Or if I needed um, to give you something to give to somebody else, but I didn't want to transfer it through your accounts and I can't mm. get in contact with that person directly or through 
you know, the, the net or whatever you would have, sure. you'd still have to give something, you'd have to hand something over physically to deliver it. Yeah. So the, the distinction there between, you know, how often Omnitool use is because of people with cybernetic implants, it's not exactly clarified as, as far as I've seen. Uh, but I think it's a logical conclusion to make that a lot of people probably have implants within their skin that allows them to bring up the Omnitool at any time. Yeah. Yeah. That would um, make sense. So, and if you count anyone with a biotic implant, I know that the chat was talking about Caden earlier and the L2 implants. Well, if you count anyone with a biotic implant as having cybernetics, which it is, um, then you get to this picture that, wait a second, like cybernetics are way more common in Mass Effect than I thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. It creates, I mean, that's a very significant, a small, but significant portion of the population. Right. Omnitools, biotic implants, gray boxes, uh, Cerberus and all their troops, uh, all of the tech specialists in the Alliance, if you can think about it. And that's just a, that's just about humanity um, and as well as Shepard themselves uh, and the Pathfinder. So w it's interesting how well the writers were able to weave in all of these cybernetic references so seamlessly into a lore that felt truly unique to its own franchise. Yeah, that without, was interesting to me. Right. Without stepping on other things too strongly. Right. Yeah. Because if it is part of everyday life, then you're not going to make a big hoopla about it. Right? right. Right. Yeah. Like we don't all talk about our cell phone. I mean, we talk about cell phones, but we don't it, like somebody pulls out a cell phone. Nobody goes, oh, you got a cell phone. Like, right. It's just not a thing. You just, <laughs> oh, what's that you got there? A fancy cell phone? Now you might go, oh, you got the new model. Right. right. But you're not going to be like, what? A cell phone at the dinner table. <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't so on the nose like we see in other games. And I get that's part of cyberpunk's uh, shtick. So I'm not like criticizing them for it. Um, and besides, a lot of cyberpunk is supposed to be on the nose. <laughs> like that's yeah. the style. Yeah, no, um, it's it, like that. But, but that's part of the, the flavor of that is that those technologies have uh, affected the world in a very severe kind of way which we obviously there are effects of this in mass effect, but it's not the same level. It's, it, it has changed the way that people do things and the capabilities of people, but it hasn't affected culture to the same mm. degree that culture has shifted in cyberpunk. Yeah. It's a different and kind it's not of thing. So yeah. Mass effect isn't so uh, dystopian. Right. As, as cyberpunk right. is. Um, and people seem to have maintained their humanity despite having cybernetic upgrades. Um, right. Or realizing that they're living in a galaxy full of other races that could destroy them at any moment and all of that. So there's <laughs> that too, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it, it does seem that it's just a part of everyone's daily lives. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to take a break and thank our patrons and we'll be back to talk about more cybernetics. So don't go anywhere. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, including our newest patron, Mr. Bob. That's such a, I love it. I love when patrons it's have Mr. Bob to it's you. Mr. It's all one word, too. Mr. Bob. Uh, just Murbob. Or maybe that's it's pronounced Murbob, maybe. Uh, let me know, Mr. Bob. Uh, also, we're going to shout out our Shepherd tier patrons, which include Kokushins, Ed Boy, Aaron J, Kiracy, Lieutenant Cicino, uh, that's Spectre J and William. Thank you to, for your support as well. And all 71 of our current patrons, thank you for supporting this show and keeping this going. We really do appreciate it. If you are interested in joining these patrons and all the different kinds of stuff you can get, then go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. Check out all the different stuff. Add free episodes, episodes a day early, t-shirts, stickers, all sorts of awesome things. And also joining us on the patron episode at the end of every month, which is coming up in two weeks. It'll be on the actual last day of the month, on the 31st, Friday the 31st, at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. So if you still got time, sign up and join us if you'd like to come chat and be on the show. Uh, We also have a new review from Crypt Keeper! Exclamation, Crypt Keeper! Exclamation! This is from the United States. Cryptkeeper says, I am not sovereign, but this station is mine. I just recently discovered Mass Effect when I was able to download the Legendary Edition for free on PS4. By the way, that is an awesome deal. If you are a new member of our community and you've been playing on PS4 because you got it for free or PS5, then chime in. Let us know. Let us know what you think of, of the series. After playing through Mass Effect 1 a couple times because I realized I was missing content and opportunities, I finally completed the trilogy. I became engrossed in the storylines and characters. This pushed me to look for a podcast that would discuss the lore. I am literally listening to Episode 7, Asari Lore, as I write this. I have some catching up to do. I also joined the Discord. Robot Robots and N7 are really doing a great job filling in the blanks and filling out the backstories with the characters I have grown really attached to. I am glad I found them. As a side note, I give them credit for having the guts to forge through the never-ending political and gender questions and discussions that the game story requires. In today's crazy landmine-filled environment, regarding these topics, it takes a really N7's courage and skill to make it work. Well done. Thumbs up. I should go. <laughs> that's awesome thank you so much for, for taking the time to leave that review if you would like to get your words on the show in the future then leave a rating a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll read it out ratings on Spotify and other platforms are also extremely helpful in making sure people know that this is a show worth checking out so thank you to everybody who supports us and for all of your support um, anything else we want to share I think that's it for this week well- there is one there is one piece that's interesting that I realized uh, just now. I had thought about it before, but I just realized it again, uh, which is that today, technically, I think yesterday on St. Patty's Day was the anniversary of when we started the show. Re- was the it St. Patty's Day? Wow. Yeah. March. I March, guess I forget uh, that every year. <laughs> March 17th, I believe, 2021. Wow. Uh, so two years behind us, we're entering year three now. That's crazy. How did that happen? What is Time. going? What is going on? That's, I need to. I need to update the logo. 
<laughs> we do. We need to update the logo. Yeah. Uh, if you have some ideas for what we should do with the logo, let me know. Because is, is there is there art specific to Mass Effect Three that we could pull from? Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll we look could, into we it. We could do something with the uh, horizon of the of Earth specifically and the Reapers coming mm-hmm. down. Oh, a big reaper. We have a big reaper in the background. All right. Well, we'll look for look for that. I'll be working on that. Um, all right. Let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. And big thanks to everybody who listens and everybody who has supported the show for the last two years to get us to two years, because that is huge. And we absolutely couldn't do it without all of you. So thank you. Thank you to everyone. So, all right, we're back. And um, now that now that we've discussed a bit about cybernetics, we learned a little bit more about that. Um, I still have some questions that aren't answered. Like, uh, what are the companies making these implants? And uh, are, are, is there competition in that space? Is it are they all human companies or the alien company? Like, what is going on with? I mean, this has got to be. I mean, think about how popular and expensive or how much money cell phone companies make and these things do a fraction of what you could do with a bunch of nanobots in your body or synthetic arms and stuff well we do know that there are a number of companies that work in the biotech realm uh like binary helix that Mm -hmm. we hear a lot about binary helix sarin actually being an investor of that company uh, a big investor. Uh, we hear a lot about that but binary helix is is nowhere close to being like arasaka you know, there, yeah. it's not. So for no, anybody who doesn't know cyberpunk, Arasaka is, and Militech are like the two big uh, cybernetic companies. They do a lot of different things, weapons and stuff like that. But if you're going to get your arm replaced, you're probably going to get an Arasaka or a Militech uh, yeah. installed. So it's it's not like that. It's a lot more like if Logitech uh, had arm replacements. <laughs> OK, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot lot less insidious, I think maybe some white collar crime going on there. But um, <laughs> I got the new the razor sh- pinky. <laughs> I got a flip arm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's a collapsible arm. Um, anyway, the short answer is, you know, there's just not enough lore uh, that I've seen that could give us definitive answers to those. Uh, we don't know a lot more about cybernetics. You know, there's not even a codex entry specifically on cybernetics, but there is one on the other topic that we're going to talk about today, which is genetic engineering and gene therapy. Yeah, I think we've we've brought this up before. Um, okay, I'm excited to dive into this. What do we know concrete about genetic engineering? So the codex does have its own entry, which is actually pretty long for a codex entry about genetic engineering. And I was kind of surprised about about it, considering how how little of a percentage it constitutes of all of the dialogue in Mass Effect. Mm. Uh, So the Codex says, in the 22nd century, manipulation of the human genome became commonplace. Techniques of genetic engineering advanced to the point where the rich could build custom-built fetuses that grew into stronger, smarter, and more attractive adults. In more permissive regions, custom-designed life forms and uplifted animals occupied an ill-defined niche between property and sapient being. Like you can have a dog that talks to you. Like basically you're you're creating a house elf that's like a, a chihuahua that walks on its hind legs and helps you do the dishes. 
this <laughs> i you know i had trouble finding specific instances of this but it's fun to imagine you know right like this is my chinchilla his name is gregory please please be polite <laughs> gregory say hello to our guests hello guests i'm gregory that's how a chinchilla would talk <laughs> may i may i fetch you an ice cold beverage <laughs> may i fetch you a nice cube one at a time because that's all i can carry <laughs> Because I'm a chinchilla. Won't you, <laughs> won't you gentlemen sip, stay for a Pepsi? <laughs> I've been practicing my Shakespearean <laughs> acting. Would you care for <laughs> version? <laughs> oh, God. This is going... Every, no, okay, we're not going to continue. Perhaps I can line. bring you some refreshments or perhaps a nice rimula. I was thinking like chinchilla does like, like, I don't know, the Romeo and Juliet, but plays all the parts for you and has been like... Is the entertainment for the night? Anyway, okay. Um. <laughs> He's the jester, yeah. Um, so, yeah, p basically, rich people, for whatever reason that they want, can, uh, you know, circumvent the law and use genetic uh, engineering to uplift animals to what degree? I don't know. Uh, and for what purpose would be up to them. Uh, but they can do that, or they do do that. They're not allowed to do that, but, but they do do that. <laughs> And uh, for much of the uh, council-ruled galaxy, it seems that it's just the rich couples building custom fetuses. Uh, yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's like, I was going to make a pimp my car reference, but, you know, pimp my baby doesn't sound as good. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I hope we get in the next Mass Effect, like, one really out there location on the fringes somewhere where, like, wealthy people live, and they've got, like talking giraffes that like take care of their yards for them but also welcome you when you get to the property and they're wearing like pants maybe that's what happened with the space cow maybe 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 that's why it steals your your money um someone someone was like what if i have a space cow and i give him a personality akin to oliver twist <laughs> okay the artful dodger as a space cow Mm. Um, so, you know, as, as far as we see played out in the, in the games in Mass Effect one, we see this, this argument about custom built fetuses and, and the ethics around that, uh, but and between a couple on the Citadel Presidium and for some reason, Shepard can weigh in, um, <laughs> of course, like, like it's like, it's their business. Anyway, here's a clip from that. I I'm telling you, this is not what Jake would want. Who are you to tell me what my husband would want? I'm the only person making sense right now. You're endangering your baby. I don't care what you think, Michael. It's my decision. I know you're hurting, Rebecca, but don't let your grief hurt your baby too. Can I help you with anything? Perhaps you can talk some sense into her. I don't need anyone to talk sense into me, Michael. I'm not undergoing the treatments. My sister-in-law here is pregnant, and she's refused to let the baby undergo gene therapy in utero. I'm certain that she has a good reason. I'd like to hear both sides. My husband Jacob died from a rare heart condition several months ago. There's a chance that the baby could develop the same heart condition, but routine gene therapy can eliminate it. A very small chance, Michael. And extranet reports say the therapy could harm the child. It's less dangerous than the genetic enhancements that every soldier in the Alliance receives! It's Rebecca's child, Michael. 
I think you should honor her decision. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it goes on from there, but, um, Michael. man, that guy's, like, pissed. Yeah, Michael, come on, man. Come on, man. What is she doing? Come on, man. Give me a little break here. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, we don't actually explore the validity of what Michael is saying, that it is safe, that the gene therapy is safe. We don't actually ever explore the data behind that. So mm -hmm. he could be right. He could just be being an asshole, uh, which right, he is right. being. Yeah, he um, may just be or he may just think it's safe or just trying to convince her for other reasons who knows right yeah um and so shep can influence this decision i don't know why uh <laughs> for you know it's not exactly shepherd's business at all uh but it's a it's an rpg game and this is a classic rpg you know npc conversation to, it gives uh, us insight into the culture and the nature of the technology and, and that kind of thing so it makes sense for being something that would be worth your attention as the player as a player, yes, right. not as shepherd, not as shepherd, as the, but as the player, everything yeah. is catered to the player, so it makes sense from that exactly. And I still like it. Like I, I like the fact that there are quests like this. But the Paragon choice for Shep is to reply and say, "Look, dude, it's her, cho it's her choice. You know, mm -hmm. let her decide. Right, her Ready body, her one. choice, dude. She'll, she'll laugh out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're not even the dad of this kid. Like, right. That. So, right. um, and Renegade choice is guilting her into doing gene therapy to, poten to potentially save the baby's life, mm -hmm. which is like horrendous, the way that it comes across, the way that Shepard's saying this to the woman. Um, so uh, there are immense ethical concerns over this, in, even in the Mass Effect universe, that you can uh, edit out undesirable potential d disease uh, traits from genetics yeah um, and we're actually very close to that in our own society yeah like within um, a generation with, this might be a real thing with CRISPR technology yeah. right yeah yeah so, so we are we're rocketing toward that no pun intended um, but you know in Mass Effect there seems to still be the uh, classic uh, ethical conundrum uh, in uh, prevalent in so many sci-fi series of whether or not it's the right thing to do. Uh, and we can hear that play out there. Ashley also tells us that her mother had in utero, in utero therapy to correct for nearsightedness. So while Rebecca's child, he's trying to convince her to edit out a potential heart condition. Mm -hmm. It can also be used for much less serious concerns yeah. like being nearsighted right the the major issue with these things is that genes are not that simple the the gene edit that may fix nearsightedness may also have effects to other things that don't seem to have anything related from you know from our, our rational view of like oh well it affects your eyes so but no all of a sudden you also now have some other thing that you couldn't have t even assumed would be a thing because right. genes are complex. The way they're expressed is complex. There's a lot going on there. So that's part of the issue is that there's there's risk involved and there's a lot of research. I mean, genes are complex. You would have to, yeah. you know, like f the whole folding at home thing, the idea that you can actually like the amount of data that that process uses in order to just figure out how how genes fold and how they actually interact is is immense so there, I, there's a lot there here i was thinking that you were talking about folding like a pair of levi's yeah yeah well no <laughs> no it has to do with like the way that 
yeah, we won't get into all the details, but but it's it's uh, fixing something like nearsightedness isn't as simple as like you can't just cut and it's not like editing a podcast where like oh I I slipped up and I burped real loud into my microphone now, after, now we're done with the live show I can just go cut that little piece out and nobody will ever know no. it's there and it doesn't affect anything else on the entire show. It's not yeah, that simple. You can't change one side of the equation without altering something else. Yeah. Uh, these jeans go on. No, oh boy. that's not the song. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, so nearsightedness, certainly less of a serious condition, but it gives a good idea of just how trivial of a medical condition people are using gene therapy for in utero in, in this universe. Um, and I don't... I feel like a lot of people might not actually take ethical, um, you know, ethical uh, problems with fixing nearsightedness, right? For if sure. they think that nothing else is going to change, right? Uh, because it doesn't seem insidious at all. But the second that you start talking about, well, what if we could just make our baby smarter? What if we could right. make our baby more, you know, or people live longer, or or more right. attractive or a more less yeah, susceptible have, to cancer. Sure. Sure. Then and, it becomes more contentious. Yeah. Also the, the more traditional sides of the community are, are going to take issue even with simple changes because they're going to argue things like you were designed by God or the creator, whatever their religion is. And that's how God wanted you. He didn't want you to be changed, mm. but people would counter that with, well, what's the difference of treating a disease after birth as opposed to before birth? If you, why suffer the thing if you're still going to treat it afterwards anyway, what's, mm. what's ultimately the difference, right? So there are, there are multiple sides and both sides can argue those things. So, um, and that's, super. that's part of why there are communities today of people who are very religious, who don't go get medical treatment, modern medical treatment for things is because they believe that's, you know, prayer is enough and all of that. And what's interesting to me specifically is who the character is that tells us about this. It's Ashley, the person who is comparatively conservative to all of our other squad mates uh, who who yeah. does believe in God and her family did raise her that way. And she's the one who in utero was the beneficiary of nearsightedness being eliminated from gene therapy, which which is good because I, I, it shows that people are complex. It shows that situations are complex and it shows that not everybody who has who fits into category A only fits into category A that there's you know, it's it's not that cut and dry. So, right. I she's not good extreme with her views about God, apparently, or, right. or at least her family wasn't. Right. And, and um, most people aren't. Most believers aren't on the extreme ends of the spectrum. They're in the bell curve part in the middle. Right. Yeah. Who are historically quieter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so again, uh, that's just one paragraph from the codex that tells us about that. And then the, those are some examples that we see in the game um, of that paragraph. And then the next paragraph in the codex entry says, travel to planets with unique forms of life brought an, brought an awareness of that Earth's unique biodiversity could be lost if spliced and hybridized to gain useful alien qualities. The Sodhem Wolcott Genetic Heritage Act was passed by the Systems Alliance Parliament in 2161. Okay, first of all, I love the proper noun there and the actual naming of this act. Yeah. Because even though they haven't written any lore behind, like they didn't write 80 pages of legal language of what this act does. <laughs> right. Right. 
but even the, the fact that they named it and put a date to it, it f- it's world building. It feels real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is what um, would happen in our own world. These kinds right. of things, acts get passed and they, there's a date and a, a name based on the people who pushed the thing through the legislature or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we, what we do know is that it imposes sharp restrictions on controversial uses of genetic engineering, but it provided government subsidies for beneficial applications. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you can't do this, but you can't do this. And yeah. What qualifies as beneficial? What right. qualifies as controversial? A lot of. Oh, man. Uh, oh, now we're getting of, into modern politics. It said we weren't going to get into any modern politics. Uh, it's hard it's, not to. It's I mean, hard. This is so this is, like this close. is exactly the, like this is what ha- is happening in uh, heck. And I, I won't go into the details. If you want to get into look at your local legislatures and look at the national legislatures and look at the actual language put in bills and then try to find language that is intentionally vague. And I guarantee you will find it. Yes. Similar to what is listed here. And that's actually by design for our republic, because the founders envisioned a judiciary where if laws were passed that were challenged, they would be decided by the judiciary. Right. So this is by design that things were kept a little vague. It's yeah, but Um, sometimes it's too vague in a way that just and nobody's willing to act because they don't want to get sued or thrown in jail. And, exactly. And it, and it means the scope of the law is bigger than it actually is, which is kind of similar to this. Right. You know, like yes. controversial uses. Well, what is that? Like what? Who? I know when I see it. Right. Like that whole thing. It's like, yeah. well, what and if you and I don't agree about that? Yeah. The other the other reason why I think a lot of laws like this, even in the Mass Effect universe, might have been phrased so vague is because it prevents as it opens it up to it also prevents loopholes, because if they if they mm-hmm. specifically banned uh, 26 uses, 26 separate <laughs> right. uses of genetic engineering. The per, I guarantee you, there's going to be someone who ha- who uses it in a non-beneficial, controversial way, and it just so happens to not be part of those 26 guidelines. Right. And so they have yeah. skirted by the law, and they can't be prosecuted for it. Right. It's um, also easier to write it if it's vague. To get into the yes. details takes a lot more work as a writer. So there's that. Yes. So. Um, so it's vague and interesting to note 2161 right after the first contact war. Interesting timing, I think. That makes sense. Um, I mean, the, the humans are actually really struggling with aliens and alien technology and the concept of splicing DNA from different species. Sure. Yeah. And, and so I think it also goes hand in hand with following the first contact war. Human uh, beings are spreading out to many different planets and they might be finding that a lot of planets don't have nearly the same biodiversity as Earth. So it brings about this revival of environmental conservationism. That's like, hold on, we really shouldn't change what we have too much because if we do, it could be lost forever. Right. Um, Right. And we're not going to find probably many other planets like ours. Uh, So vague arbitrary guidelines ultimately up to what or whatever the ruling party or judiciary seems to be acceptable um and i laughed when i read beneficial applications because it reminded me of when we talked about metagel and how metagel was technically violating the invention of metagel technically violated citadel conventions and systems alliance law but it was too beneficial so they looked past it right yeah yeah. So uh, like another one of those things that happens in the real world. So, yeah, the ends justified the means. Right. Yeah. I'm sure that's not going to inspire any corruption at all. Uh, but <laughs> so th- there's some uh, in-game 
examples, specifically with Metagel, about where we kind of see that kind of thing played out. And then the next part is pretty interesting as well in the codex. It gets into screening and therapy. It says most governments provide free assessments and corrective therapy for genetic diseases and prospective parents, like what we talked about earlier with Rebecca and Michael. Uh, this has nearly eliminated everything from cystic fibrosis to nearsightedness. The earlier screening and therapy is performed, the more comprehensive the results. Though ideally performed on artificially fertilized zygotes in a lab, procedures are available for embryos in the womb and newborns out of respect for personal beliefs. Yep, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and and it does the way that it phrases this, most governments provide free assessments and corrective therapy for genetic diseases. That would seem to almost implicate that universal health care is a thing. Yeah, in it, Mass Effect. It, it does that. Um, it also supports the idea that a healthy population is going to be better for society as a whole because there's going to be less need for uh, medical stuff later on. There's going to be less. Uh, more people are going to be able to work harder for longer, which is going to benefit the economy, the military, all sorts of different things. So in a. I, I would put forth the concept that in a future scenario where this is possible and safe, that it benefits any society for the government to mandate this as a free thing that it would give out. In the, the, I, the, it, there'd be more benefits than drawbacks overall. I, f I feel like there were a couple trends and events in the Mass Effect universe that probably inspired, if, if there is universal health care among uh, citizens of the Systems Alliance. I feel like there were a couple of trends and events that probably spurred that decision. One of them being that this is in the future, far in the future, and population decline was probably happening at the same time that the first contact war happened. Mm -hmm. So you so you have a population decline, you have this new and unknown threat, an existential threat to all of humanity. Yeah. And maybe there was such inequality in the uh, in the different nations on earth that they thought we need to keep people healthy uh, because they could potentially be drafted. Yeah. Yeah. That could be part of it. That could be part of it. Um, also, so. um, isn't there's like less, even less different diversity of governments in, in the future too. We, we talked yes. about that. So yes. having one overarching major government system looking for everybody, I feel like you're going to have some sense of balance there between what like the masses of people want and what's for them and what who's in control can can argue. Well, that could be the pressure from the systems alliance since they control the, you know, humanity's military. But as we talked about with different governments, there's still nation states on Earth. Yeah. And it's just that a lot of them have conglomerated into larger groups like the United uh, North American states. Right. Uh, so Mexico, Canada, United right. States. I, I feel like, and I feel like the, the, that's one of those extreme things where in that scenario, governments would move into the, ex, a, one of the extremes, more socialized or more authoritarian, mm -hmm. like one or the other. And, and this scenario, they happen to go more socialized. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can see that completely happening that probably didn't come or probably didn't come out of nowhere, but happened after some tumult. We know that there was a second American Civil War, but that, that'll be another conversation uh, for a different day. Um, Dr. Chakwas, you know, tells us that Joker actually needs care for the rest of his life, meaning that he could not have benefited, I guess, from 
these free assessments and corrective therapy, maybe it came about too late after he was born. Maybe, or maybe his family opted out of it. Or maybe his family opted out of it, or maybe they couldn't afford it. I'm not sure. They or, were maybe free there assessments. Are, or maybe there are certain diseases that just can't be corrected yet, or, or the procedure isn't safe enough so they don't operate on those specific genes specifically. Right. So as we know, Vrolich syndrome, after having talked with Dr. Greg, it's very complex. It is a set of diseases and it is quite possible that maybe the genetic uh, therapy just wasn't to the point that it could help uh, yeah. yet. And maybe it would simply require too much replacement of jokers uh, by like, you know, uh, biological being via cybernetics to actually make his life worth living. Right. Or would have caused other issues genetically by adjusting those genes in one direction, things would have gone too far in another. So, right. Yeah. There may have been, you know, it could have been because of will could have been because of a lack of capability of it helping. But Dr. Chocolis does confirm to us that a Joker will need care for the rest of his life. That care not, you know, she did not say that that care would be genetic engineering. Mm -hmm. um, now we've talked a lot about helping people with diseases, conditioning out genetic diseases and things like that. But it also can be used to enhance the natural abilities of human beings. And the codex says improvement of natural human abilities is legal, but adding new abilities is not. Treatments to improve strength, reflexes, mental ability or appearance are permitted by the law. Adding a tail or the ability to digest cellulose is not. <laughs> so some genetic enhancement provided for free to Alliance military recruits, but the average citizen must pay for the privilege. So there we have another, we have kind of an answer, a caveat answer to our previous question about universal healthcare. Maybe it only stipulates if you have a genetic condition that you need taken out, but we're not going to pay for you to just enhance something. Right, right. It also maintains that human beings at least still look and act mostly like human beings. Yeah, they're not they're not running around with tails right. uh, or, or, or they have green skin and now all of a sudden they can process energy from the sun. You know, like. I want to be an Argonian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Uh, or at least maybe you could, but you could not. You definitely could not get the government to pay for your health care, I guess, to do that. Uh, it, yeah. And it would be illegal. Um, but this is, you know, this is an entry from Mass Effect 1. But and this is what's so impressive that they build upon it, because later we basically meet the person who's a walking embodiment of this enhancement stipulation without, you know, adding superpowers or extra human abilities. Um, and this is, you know, what happens when human genetics are taken to the very maximum level with no limitations on expense. Here's that person. You. Well, you should probably know that I've had extensive genetic modification, not my decision but I make the most of it. It's one of the reasons the elusive man handpicked me. I'm very good at just about anything I choose to do. What level of genetic modification are we talking about? That's very thorough. Physically, I'm superior in many ways. I heal quickly and I'll likely live half again as long as the average human. My biotic abilities are also very advanced. For a human. Add to that some of the best training and education money can buy and, well, it's pretty impressive, really. Sounds like you were designed to be perfect. Maybe, but I'm not. I'm still human, Shepard. I make mistakes like everyone else. And when I do, the consequences are severe. Everyone expects a lot from someone with my... abilities. You certainly don't lack for confidence. It's just a fact. 
My reflexes, my strength, even my looks, they're all designed to give me an edge. No point in hiding from it. It's the reason that- No point in hiding from it. <laughs> this is why, this conversation is why a lot of players who first meet Miranda are very put off by her. The humble brag. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about humble brags in the series last time, I think. And it, like, how do you, can you imagine being in her situation trying to explain all of these enhancements and how she was engineered in order to be perfect without it sounding like a humble brag? And especially to less privileged people, since like, apparently her father's incredibly rich. Right. How do you, how do we even have that conversation without it being awkward? I can't imagine how you frame that. And I'm sure she's struggled with that over and over and over again, but it always comes across like a humble brag. And when she's just simply, and, and, and maybe she is doing that, but maybe she's just trying to convey the information and there's just no easy way to do it because socially it just, it's awkward. And that's a large part of her character arc. You know, uh, we'll be talking about her later, but she brings up an interesting point. What would society expect from someone who who they know has been modified to be perfect? Yeah, yeah. I, the well, expectations would be very high. It's it's the gifted scenario. Uh, if anybody if anybody studied studied gifted gifted children, I I've gone through this personally myself. I've seen a generation of of my peers go through the gifted program as children, and because simply because you tested better than other kids did at a certain age. And your, your brains, no gifted child has the same brain as any other gifted child. They just have certain things that they do better or they scored higher an IQ test or something, right? And because of the privilege of that, because of the way society puts these perspectives on gifted children, they're expected to outperform everybody, to learn faster, to make something of their lives. And many of them are just end up living normal lives and feeling like they're failures because everybody else caught up. That's the, it's just the way it goes. Right. Like, like maybe you start with more, but other people ca catch up. It's a, it's a scenario we see in our, in our own world. So, and I've seen a lot of people who went through gifted and talented education, uh, who I grew up with. And I I'm sorry to say that like the pressure got to them, yeah. like the pressure yeah. really got to them. A number of them resorted to drugs, uh, became very addicted. Yep. Uh, yep. and that hampered further, you know, success in education. Uh, when everyone tells you that you're capable of doing anything and you can't, you realize that you can't because you're a human being and you're limited. It's very defeating. Um, mm. And I, I personally went through that. Like I, I went through a, a significant portion of my adult life where I felt like I was just not able to really accomplish much of anything, even though I had a background where everybody told me that, oh, you could do anything you want. And I was like, well, then why am I, am I not succeeding at life? <laughs> What's going yeah, why on? Why am I not achieving X, Y, Z? Right. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a weird the, thing. On the flip side, uh, when I was growing up, I had a speech impediment that doctors traced to an inner ear infection when I was around certain age and being a toddler. Mm -hmm. uh, and it made me mispronounce a lot of words. I also grew up when I was very young on the East Coast and I had a thick New Jersey accent. Uh -huh. right. My family moved to Ohio in the Midwest. Uh, and when I started elementary school there, the staff and the teachers had made the executive decision that I must be mentally handicapped. You have a learning condition, right? And when, they when that put wasn't me the in case. Yeah. Yeah. They put, they put me not only in remedial speech therapy, which granted I did, it did help, but they also put me in remedial English. Yeah. Even though my reading comprehension was not affected by it at all. 
even though other comprehension and, and verbal and nonverbal, uh, what do they call them? Test scores, verbal and nonverbal, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, acuity I or something about. like that. Right. Right. Um, that wasn't affected. And then within two, three years, I was, uh, in the honors English program. Right. Right. And it, it's not like someone waved a magic wand in those two years and made me more intelligent. I, I was just a kid and I was growing. Right. Um, Everybody grows. Everybody changes. You take an IQ test at 12 and you take one at 20 and you take one at 40 and they're all going to have different scores. Yeah. And that was enough. Even though those two, three years, speech therapy extended far beyond that for about five or six years. But that was enough to severely damage my ego as a kid because I thought I'm behind. Right? I'm I'm dumber than other kids, right, you know, right. Um, the social pressure and the, the social understanding of who you are in the system compared to everybody else has humongous effects on your development. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's ironic, you know, um, that I went through remedial speech therapy. I was put in those uh, classes for a while and it conditioned. It actually did condition out any regional accent that I have. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's still some words, some things that I say that you can tell where I've lived given when I say them, but they're, they're very few. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's ironic now that I make my living through my voice. Right. Right. Well, Hey, maybe it worked out for the better. The I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it did. Um, but that happened after birth. It is not like gene therapy in mass effect. And I, I do wonder in, in gene therapy, if they could predict whether or not someone would have a speech impediment, if they could condition that out. Um, maybe. and make them more perfect. Maybe that sometimes way. that is a physical limitation. So I would imagine that the gene could change the way your tongue works in your mouth or, you know, things like that. And about Miranda, you know, it's one thing to discuss it from the societal uh, perspective with, you know, what would expectations for her be like, but what would her mental growth be like if she didn't encounter the same obstacles that everyone else does because of their shortcomings, right? She didn't learn right the thing, the, the things that I learned from having, you know, having had this speech impediment, having had to work around those other limitations that I had. Right. I, um, I went through a thing just to, to share a little bit more. Things came very easily for me as a child that when I did come across things that were difficult, like learning a foreign language, there are specific things that I just, I find very difficult. Those were huge obstacles. Just learning the fact that I, like I needed to try hard and work hard in order to achieve something was something it took me well into my 30s to fully grasp and actually train myself to do because growing up things were, were, were so easy that later yeah. on in life things became more difficult because nothing is easy once you actually are in the real world and and, and you don't have teachers and parents doting over you about like, oh, you're going to be great. You're going to you're going to do wonderful. Just <laughs> show up banded. Right. Not rubber banded in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it happens. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this to like, this is definitely not a humble brag in any way. It's not the opposite of humble. I'm just sharing information on it. And I think other people have probably been in the scenario before, like find anybody in your lives who was raised through like the gifted scenario. And I 90% of them are going to have the same story. Nothing in the modification, the gene modification and mass effect would seem to eliminate the chance that people would struggle with mental issues either. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that that's still a big thing. And yeah. And we, we hear it firsthand from Miranda. I mean, she has deep seated emotional and mental issues from this. Um, we also learn more about this uh, enhancement protocol or this enhancement series of, of laws that govern it from 
a conversation with a man named Rafael Vargas in Mass Effect 1. He is a representative for the company Binary Helix, which works on biotech. And it's because we as the player are asked to spy for a rival corporation, the Armali Council, posing as a potential buyer and a contract uh, negotiator for either the Alliance or the Council as being a specter. And here's a, here's a clip from that. Can I help you? Mr. Vargas, I'm Commander Shepard, a specter. I understand you work for Binary Helix. That's correct. Rafael Vargas, sales. Were you interested in our services? I might be. That depends on what sort of offer your company can make. It was my understanding that the Citadel contracted to a Solarian Corporation for its enhancement programs. Mr. Vargas, I'm here to talk business with you. If you'd rather speculate on politics, I can visit another Geneng firm. You have my full attention, Shepard. I'm merely getting a handle on my negotiating position. First, the boilerplate disclaimer. No genetic enhancement is guaranteed to take. We can maximize the odds, but every strand of DNA is unique. Our patented techniques can provide an 8% improvement in adrenal response, 12% faster clotting, and a measurable decrease in CG muscle degeneracy. Mars Gene's clotting enhancement improves speed by 16%. Oh, I see you've done some research. That's their official claim. However, we believe they cherry-picked their sample to show optimum results. The numbers we provide are strict mathematical averages. I can get you those improvements for 30k credits per head. For a bulk order, I can work in a sensory enhancement package, guaranteed 2015 vision and hearing from 12 to 22,000 hertz. That's the commercial price for individual purchasers. I'm offering you millions of jobs, Mr. Vargas. That's worth more than some stock sensory upgrades. I'll give you a cautious probably. There is a standard discount for bulk orders, but I can't authorize that. I can push it upstairs. I'm sure someone will get back to you on it. I have to admit, it surprised me that you were here for business. There are many development projects on Avaria, some not entirely legal. If they don't get in my face, I'm not going to dig them out. I'm not here for a random spot check. My apologies. I shouldn't have belabored the point. I love the, um, the sales talk in that because yeah. it's very real having worked in and around the sales world. <laughs> it's very it real. very corporate. It's it a feels chess match well. This is on. what I can do, and really, this is and, uh, yeah. If that if that data if that data is right about that, but here's what I can tell you about what we can do for you. Like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I love that, and I love the casual mention that they can uh, basically decrease muscle muscle degeneracy from being in zero gravity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that they can improve clotting uh, for people with this gene therapy. Shepard mentions a company named Mars Gene, which we don't actually hear anything else about mm -hmm. uh, as being a contractor for the Alliance, which provides enhancement for every soldier who enlists a standard package. I found that to be pretty interesting. So we get a little lore bit from Shepard as kind of like a this isn't the focal point of the conversation, but Here's the, let me just sprinkle some lore on this conversation right, for you. Right. Or also, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I'm in the know with this stuff because of the kind of conversation that's taking place. Yeah, yeah. Exa exactly. So we get a, a more full idea of what kind of things are being enhanced for human beings with this gene therapy in the Mass Effect universe. Um, but there's also genetic engineering, and that's the next and final section of the codex entry on here. 
this this one's bizarre and i <laughs> i wonder why they felt the need to include this in any uh you know legal uh code or anything like that artificial hybridization of genes from compatible non-human species with human genetic code is illegal creation of designed life is broadly legal and mainly used for terraforming and medical applications but sentient creatures are heavily regulated and creation of sapient life is outlawed by both the systems alliance and the citadel council so different levels of government felt the need to tell people no chimeras please yeah yeah the island of dr moreau will not take place please god no chimeras uh <laughs> understandable they probably did not want people making artificial hybrids of let's say a human and an Elcor. Oh that God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to like, Oh, we're going to create a Griffin and you know, we're going to give this lion wings, right? Like that's one thing. It's another thing to have like humans, other stuff hybrid, which there are actual laws in most countries about already. Like, wow. No, no, there's like legitimately, you cannot like do certain procedures that would create a human other species. Hybrid. Like they're in they're, They have existed before. Like ape human hybrids have what they've, they've been. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. You can go. You can look it up. I don't want to. I don't think they live very long. Um, I'm, and I'm just pulling from old memories, but uh, this wasn't prepared for this. But yeah, it's it's like, yeah, if you had if you were a scientist working on that today, you would be absolutely shut down by the government. What's going on with you? What are you talking about? <laughs> you sound insane. <laughs> that's that's like I think twenty percent of the people listening to this in their cars right now. Yeah, everyone's gonna um, start googling or wi- checking I, Wikipedia for for this. I'm stuff. certainly going to Google it. I may I'm not. Pretty sleep sure tonight. it's a real thing. Human ape hybrid. Uh, a human monkey hybrid created in China, 2019. Yeah, there's yes, there's there's, there's stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, cue the bite of Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's a good note to end on. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good note. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> the takeaways that we can get from genetic therapy and Mass Effect is that they seem to be advancing, but it's not all powerful and preventing yet. And maybe partially due to economic requirements, maybe part of it's due to the fact that advancement was hampered by you know a massive galactic wide invasion of the reapers um and even cybernetics cannot solve things for many people like it cannot cure thane's keprel syndrome uh and these things cannot fix joker's broken bones yeah well i and this opens up a whole lot of possibilities for weird stuff in the next mass effect game and some of like the side quests and things so yeah it I, does. If if any uh, potential writers or current writers are listening to this show, you get some ideas from this. I hope you uh, I hope you flesh them out because it could get real weird. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd love to see. I would love to see weird. And here's a full circle thing since we started the the episode talking about uh, uh, Elder Scrolls and Pelino White Strike. <laughs> if Michael Kirkbride decides to work <laughs> on the next Mass Effect. <laughs> I oh, would man. love to see those ideas. Bioware needs to hire Michael Kirkbride. If anybody doesn't know, look up Michael Kirkbride and look up the lore he's written for The Elder Scrolls. It's always the weirdest stuff. So Look up Coda. Eat, eat, eat yeah. like half you a mentioned, pop brownie and you, then look up Coda. <laughs> you mentioned that I, you, you listened to that episode recently, I think, on the, on the Discord. And you were like, what the hell? 
Yeah. Yeah. I felt more baffled by that than any amount of ancient aliens I've ever watched. It's, uh, and it's it amazing. was just bizarre. It was like, well, that's just, that's a plug for the Elder Scrolls lore cast. Go look at their <laughs> wacky and wild lore. We did a summer. Yeah. One of the years we did a whole summer of weird and wacky episodes with just like the weirdest bits of lore. And there's also, there's a lot, there's a lot out there. Um, but anyway, that's that's going to do it for this episode. It's been kind of an extra long episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, all the rabbit trails and things that we went on. And uh, Sam, you got other stuff going on? I do. Yeah. So I just finished Mass Effect 2, the suicide mission with Neutral Shepard. Uh-huh. I saw it, your uh, death count and one of your like Twitter posts. <laughs> yeah, it ended terribly. So first of all, we never woke up Grunt and Legion because that would require too much effort and you could not do so <laughs> neutrally. <laughs> We're going into this like terrible situation. Yeah, just don't wake up Grunt. <laughs> no, he's still on the fridge on the ship and Legion is still in hard boot mode. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so so they were asleep. They didn't even partake, uh, which might have been a good thing because they can't die if they're not there. Uh, but even before <laughs> we like started the actual mission part, when we're trying to get through to the collector ship, um, Thane, Kasumi and Jack all die. It's done. It's gone because no ship upgrades were, were done. Yeah. Um, and then we we get there. Jacob dies after having survived the vents. Barely. He gets shot while trying to close the door because he wasn't loyal. Um, okay. And then I choose Miranda to hold the biotic bubble. She fails because she wasn't loyal. And Samara gets swarmed and taken off by collector bees. <laughs> oh, no. And um, Tally dies because she wasn't loyal and I had her try and stay behind. I did a coin flip for some decisions where you can't choose a neutral option and it forces you into one of them. Mm -hmm. Coin flip determined that even though we saved the crew who was abducted, they died uh, because I refused to give them another squad mate to escort them back to the ship. That was a coin flip decision. <laughs> Just like, no. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The only people who survived were Zaid, Tally, uh, or I'm sorry, not Tally, Zaid, Garrus, Morden, and oh man, I can't remember the fourth. There was a fourth person though. Those were the only survivors along with Shepard and Joker. Interesting. Um, Interesting. That uh, makes me wonder how some of this stuff's going to play out in three. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster, uh, especially yeah. because I'm not going and doing extra things that like I don't need to do. Right. Um, and we're going to start that stream um, tomorrow. It's Saturday, the 18th, when we're recording this. And I'm planning on streaming that tomorrow. I'm streaming every weekend. I'm trying to between going out of town on weekends uh, back and forth. But follow me on Twitch and Twitter at In7TheLegend so you can catch Neutral Shepherd entering mass effect three yeah go go watch that stream that sounds like a lot of fun uh you guys know where my stuff is robotsradio.net for my shows like the elder scrolls lore cast where you can look up hell in a white streak or any of the other wacky lore from that stuff uh but thank you for joining us and if you are looking for other podcasts that's a great place to find other shows like this one and many many other creators not just me and sam so go check that out robotsradio.net we'll see you next time and stay safe out there in the universe and try not to engineer any human hybrids. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.